You're listening to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, episode 12. Hello and welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world, and we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life, and let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 12. Ah! All right, today we're coming to you from Crying Eagle Brewery here in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, it's a special place to all of us, and uh, for one reason or another, and it's pretty neat to have our first on-location shoot, and we thought it would be of most importance because Craig Cream over here has some involvement in the uh, brewery as one of the owners, and he's going to touch on that in a little bit. And we also have a special guest today joining us, um, one of the co-founders, Eric Avery, and he's actually very good friends with Craig, so it'll be pretty neat to um, jump into some of their friendship a little bit, how Craig got involved, and uh, start to finish, so to speak, for Eric with the brewery and where it's heading. And we thought it would be a perfect way to to kind of overview our topic today, which is on vision. And uh, when it comes to vision, we think there'll be a couple key notes to talk about, and that would be what vision means to us and why it's important to have a vision. Also, John, I thought I think you had a comment or two on why it was pretty cool that would be we would be doing episode 12 from the brewery today. What you got on that, buddy? Yeah, I did, and I, and I tried to get here, here earlier. I wanted to get in for the sixth episode uh, so we could put it in as a six-pack. Uh, we didn't get everything together in that time frame, but glad we could get it in for the 12-pack. Maybe uh, Eric will let us return for the 18 and 24-pack. Yeah, man, very cool. So uh, a lot of cool things on the uh, agenda for today, but we'll start off with what vision means to the guys. And as usual, uh, we're not uber prep just kind of ad living from our hearts here with you but we thought it would be good to start out with a good old classic definition and when i was looking it up it, i came up with the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom and the first thing that really came to mind was our talks about johnny boy over there not losing his inner child when i see the imagination part of things but what do y'all uh, think guys well you know i i looked up a. Uh, uh, definition that's pretty similar to yours um, and it was a vision or a dream of how you desire the future to be um, so mine was a little bit different than yours but pretty much along the same lines um, and yeah I think most people if hopefully everyone uh, has had things that they've been trying to visualize and strive for to to make things happen make things happen in their life um, so I know uh, Craig Cream certainly has a lot of these things going on. Uh, any of them that you want to share, Craig? Or well, do you have any definitions about yeah. it? So before I got Lasix, vision was something I didn't have. Um, I had to wear contacts. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? No, yeah, I had contacts. Well, you know, I, mean, I was... wear contacts right now. You had the surgery? I had the surgery. I see 2010. Nice. It's wow. really good. Well, that was one thing that uh, whenever y'all said, oh, we're going to do a topic on vision, I'm like, great. What ophthalmologist are we bringing in? Charlie Thompson? 
No, but actually, you know, to me, vision inspires action, right? So it's just, I have to, you know, I think the clearer your picture is of what you want, um, the, the more you're likely you're going to take action on that. So for me, vision is, is huge because I'm a, more of a futuristic person. I like to see with great clarity what I'm wanting to accomplish. And I think the, the clearer you can make that picture, the easier it is to reach those goals. So that's something that came to my mind when we were talking about the topic. Yeah, Craig Green, I think that's a great point, brother. In general, sometimes you want the vision to become clear so you can get to the goal or the place you're trying to get to, but it might take a little while for the clarity to come, so to speak. Sure, you almost like, you have to ask, you know, what's your why? I think when you give it more power and more meaning, it probably helps, you know, push that vision a little more. You know, it's one thing to say this would be cool, but if in your heart there's a reason you you want something you can ask why why do i want it i mean that's really i think opens it up and, and gives you the the oomph to, to accomplish it absolutely greg um i think if you answer that question first why are you doing it is it a passion in my life is it uh something meaningful for my family to achieve then that makes all the difference in the world and then you can put in the next action steps of okay how do i get to uh achieving this vision or this goal yeah that's the old classic but why i think that's a good um <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know why John's laughing, but I do talk about this a lot in my life. And if you're trying to do something, and you, but why? And you ask yourself, but why? Those two words, like, <laughs> but why do I care? Why am I so upset? Or, but why am I doing this? You know, if someone's, we're going a little off topic here, but getting on your nerves a little bit, but why? Like, is it really that important? Or if you are working, spending tons of hours trying to do something in your life, working toward a goal, but why? Like, is it really that important? Is it worth doing? Things like that. And also, I think it's, uh, it's good for leadership, maybe not just for your job, but your family. You know, if you can help somebody who's struggling and, and give them a vision of a different life or give them a vision of something that's going to be better, uh, it helps pull them along and, uh, and perhaps gives them a, a new vision. You know, so if it's your organization, you know, how do you give your employees a vision of what you're trying to accomplish? and to for the, lift the whole boat so the whole team's moving in the right direction. Yeah, well said, Craig. And, and I think you and I and John can speak to it with his brother. We all own businesses with people in it. And sometimes you've got to be on the same um, mindset, same level as the people in the business with you so you can all be heading in the right direction. You might have different opinions, etc., different ideas. But normally when you collaborate, again, go from more of a blurred vision to a clear vision with people. Um, that's where success ultimately lies. Totally agree, Matt. Totally agree. In fact, last year, 2020, how many, uh, did you, how many times did you hear 2020? It's our 2020 vision. I don't know. It was just kind of like a cliche thing, but they just kept, I saw that in a lot of different places. Man, I'm not going to lie. I'm still stuck on the fact that you had LASIK. I did. They put a laser I'm on my shocked. eyes, but I can see good. No, I know. That's amazing. I wear contacts. So back to, back to, the, to the vision part of things here. Um, what about the imagination part of it? Uh, you might, we might imagine wanting to do a lot of different things and in our lives and some things come to fruition some things don't but what, what do y'all think about the imagination process john i think you can probably hit on some of that yeah um you know it's a big it's a big part of um i think a lot of things that go on in our lives and one thing that you should do is uh if you are using your imagination and dreaming of things that you want to achieve or accomplish you know there's a saying you should dream big because if you dream small you'll you will only achieve small goals so um run wild with it in, in my opinion that's a great point john if you do aim high even if you don't reach that ultimate level you're trying to get to but you set your sights high enough if you fall a little short you've probably accomplished a lot at the end of the day um made some good feats strides etc whenever you aim high and don't necessarily get there you can still get a lot of positiveness out of it 
And, you know, I think life really begins when you get outside your comfort zone. I mean, I'm guilty of this, too, at times where I have this vision of what I want to accomplish, but there's this analysis paralysis where you just kind of stare at it in your head forever and you're just afraid to pull the trigger and take that step. And we've, we've alluded to that in several episodes, but I think that's, that's an important thing to make that vision a reality. And the more you kind of get out of that comfort zone, the clearer that picture gets and helps you accomplish those goals. And, you know, when it comes to an example of this, guys, it makes me think of the fact that we're sitting here doing this podcast. Um, we talked about it for a long time, several months. We bannered back and forth. We had a lot of different ideas on the title until old Craig Cream came up with a, a great, um, great title to name the podcast. We messed around with different topics, but it's actually the, the vision for us in the podcast is still becoming clear. We have a vision of what we want to do. We want to motivate, inspire people, but we don't exactly know um, how it's all going to turn out which breeds back to the previous topics or one of our previous topics of faith. Uh, but it's pretty neat to have seen this whole process evolve uh, throughout the last many months. Yeah, it has been. And, um, you know, to start off with, I think this was mainly a hot dog vision. And then uh, Greg Green and I kind of got pulled in along with it. And we were like, oh, yeah, this would be a great idea. This would be fun to do. I don't think anybody really thought it was going to be a reality. And then excuse me, hot dog did. Hot dog kept pushing for it, and then next thing you know, he's like, I already bought the equipment. We got to record in two weeks. <laughs> I was. I was like, Hey, you're either we're either sinking or swimming. Let's try it or not. And that's when Craig Green made the ultimate leap. Yeah, I did. It was awesome. Yeah, at first, I was uh, I was hesitant, but that's not because I didn't want to do it. It's just uh, I had many visions and I was trying to pick out which one I was going to run with. And so this looked like it would be an awesome opportunity to, to share a message that could help a lot of people and as well as you know, help us. So Hot Dog, has there been anything in your life that you have had a vision of what you want to achieve, uh, accomplish, and then put in some action steps to get there? Several things actually come to mind. I was sitting there I was sitting there thinking for a minute, man, what in my life? The first thing I thought John was really going to ask me was, was there something you had a vision that was going to take place that did not happen? I thought you were going to ask me that. So my head was going in that direction. Well, sure. Well, I mean, that probably happens more often than uh, having a vision and seeing it through and finishing it, you know sports and athletics being a big portion of it and it was in my life too you know we talked about it in one of the prior podcasts about pole vaulting and that was a big uh, a big portion of my younger years where you know it was a great sport I really enjoyed it I had uh, several brothers prior to me jumped and did really well and I wanted to be the best uh, pole vaulter that I could be Dude, we are back on the pole vaulting we are back on the pole vaulting <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it turns out I wasn't as athletic as the rest of my brothers, so it, I did well. I had a great time doing it, but it wasn't something that I could pursue long term. So it's also interesting how the things that are super important to you early on uh, change and evolve, and uh, you, you have new visions and new dreams. Very well said, buddy. And I think um, when it comes to uh, having a vision, you're allowed to experience the different human emotions. That's something that, as old hot dog over here, yes, speaking in the third person, Sean. Hot dog! Um, really <laughs> enjoys the, the highs and lows of life, the good times, the bad times, so to speak. And when you have a vision, you have excitement, something to look forward to, something sure. to be excited about. Then you might have frustration because you struggle trying to get a clear vision or trying to work toward it or trying to obtain the goal, et cetera. There's exhilaration. There's several different human emotions you get to experience while trying to see a vision, a figure out what the vision is and B, make it become a reality. What do you think about that, Craig Cream? No, I agree. It's, it could be a roller coaster, you know, and that's part of the, 
the beauty of the vision is that you you know you're going to go through those ups and downs and they'll have the good times and the bad but um you know you really can't sit around and wait for the right mood to strike either you have to just go for it and you know that changes that internal struggle you're having by you know, letting your body externally take those actions it might change those um mindsets of uh of not being able to reach the goal or, or insignificance yeah, man, and I think there's a pretty good quote, uh, wrote down just one for the day, and it's from George Washington Carver, and it says, where there is no vision, there is no hope. And so I think that breeds one of the topics we've kind of alluded to a little bit, having hope, and I think when people have vision, it can be a small vision, just, uh, hey, I'm going to get through the work day so I can go get a workout in, go play a little golf in the afternoon, what have you. Um, it's good to always have a vision so you have a little hope. Sure, absolutely, and uh Hope is a topic that I hope we touch on in the near future. Um, I think it, this will maybe be a great lead-in for it. Well said, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on the nice uh, list of topics we have. Well, look, we just wanted to touch on it for a few minutes uh, between the, the bros here, and I think we're now going to bring on our guest here, uh, Eric Avery. Like I mentioned, one of the co-founders of the brewery, and I think that Craig can, can I bring a little insight into their relationship, and then we'll bring Eric on. Yeah, guys, it's time to get crafty. Oh, what? No, y'all. So this is actually uh, it's pretty special. We're live from, well, recording from Crying Eagle Brewery. Uh, and I have the pleasure of introducing a uh, best friend, someone I've known for 25 years. We've been in each other's wedding, uh, godparents to each other's um, to his child. And it's, uh, as far as definition of vision, um, Eric and his family are, in my opinion, the epitome of that because anything they've done, they've had such clarity and and just a picture of what can happen and it's going to happen. And he's been very successful at multiple companies and it's just cool to be in a business with someone that you're, you're close to, to, to share those, those dreams and those excitements and those ups and those downs. So it's really special. He's the co-founder, but he's also the CEO and the visionary and really what made it all happen. And I could allude to how I think it all started, but I'm going to let uh, Eric kind of just give us his spin on vision and cry an eagle and Eric, welcome to Who's Driving Your Car podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> Look, Eric, we think a nice warm up for you to get you used to the mic a little bit. We know you have a little bit of nerves here before the podcast, which we all do at time to time, would be to play a little game called Would You Rather. This is only the third time we played it, so it's not like we're all super involved in it, but it's becoming a new segment, so we decided to hold it back. We normally do it at the beginning. You will be the first to answer, so you you can't really lose going you first. You got it. Bring it on. The question is, would you rather be able to read minds or predict the future? Ooh. Reading minds wouldn't be so bad because then my wife wouldn't always be angry with me. <laughs> <laughs> Predicting the future would be great, too. But, um, yeah, I'm going to settle in with read minds. Okay. Settle in with that. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Craig Green? Man, you know, my gut, my gut was actually to predict the future. Um, cause if I read minds, I'm afraid I would just like you guys are all sitting right now going, tell me, you know, thinking of what you really think. Like, Oh my gosh, he's, he's going to say something stupid. He's rambling. I'd be looking at you go, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, you know, and I don't know, future being able to see the stock market would be cool. I go buy, make a few purchases. Uh, so I don't know. Well, the only thing with, um, predicting the future though, Craig, is that, um, always knowing what's going to happen may not be to your benefit. You know, part of me in, in life is you kind of like 
the adventure of life, which with who's driving your car, often you guys are talking about adventures of life. And if you know what's going to happen, it may not be so exciting. Maybe anymore. I want selective knowledge of the future. Craig, you want a piece of both parts of the pie. I do. You know, you know I guess both parts. Well, yeah. that, that was going to be a question. Can we turn it on and off, or is it full-time all That's the time? That's true. That's true. I guess now that you talk about it, it is. In general, I'm going to go with a um, the ability to read the mind. I, I'm with Eric. I don't want to know what the future. That's a good choice for you. I don't know what to know. I don't know what, want to know why John thinks that, actually. Um, I don't really want to know what the future has in store. I like the idea. I used to be a person back in the gap of love my day planned out, had a plan exactly how it was going to happen, and I've since learned in my... 33 years here on the earth that hey it's good not having a plan sometimes i mean i'm plan oriented in a lot of ways but at most parts if i go on a trip i probably i don't have one because if you do best made plans kind of go undone and ultimately it kind of does harken to our our topic i I love that you brought that up eric who is driving your car because sometimes you can think you are but you're not ultimately and so i think it's pretty neat not to know and the main reason i want to know what's in someone's head because I like people to be honest with me. Tell me straight up what you think. And I think nowadays a lot of people don't want to do that because we want to be liked for one reason or another or embarrassed to say our true thoughts. And, and you know, hot dog over here, I like to go put my head on the pillow at night and feel good about, you know, who I was as a person. So I want people to treat me the same way. Well, I was thinking for you personally, it would be great for you to be able to read minds. Um, you know, they had a movie about this uh, that Mel Gibson was in where he was electrocuted and then he could uh, hear Every woman, every woman's thoughts. So that might uh, give you a little leg up to go ahead and lock you down a wife and start having those kids like you keep talking about you want. <laughs> Wasn't that the Green Mile? No. <laughs> that guy was on death row. Oh, yeah. John, what would you pick? He was innocent. Well, I would probably say predict the future. Um, but I, I'm with Eric over there. You know, he, he made sparked a little... A little um, thought whenever he said you know it would take a lot of the adventure out of there so uh, if I could turn it off and on certainly I would pick um, predicting the future well cool deal well look let's hop in we'll talk a little bit to Eric here and we thought it would be a a perfect guest for us Um, 12 with the 12 packs great but also a a great thing to bring Eric on because of the topic of vision and so we'll start off with Eric what made you want to own a brewery man it's the the one and only here in Lake Charles a uh, and b a lot of work, effort has gone into it that we know about. But just in general terms, tell us a little bit about what made you want to have a brewery in the first place. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, so that's probably the most asked question I get when it comes to people inquiring about the brewery. Um, I'll start off by saying that I wasn't uh, a beer drinker growing up. Craft beer options were quite limited when we were in, and uh, later in high school and in a college, uh, certainly in Louisiana and like Charles. So it wasn't something I was, felt like I was innately and born to, to do forever. But like a lot of people who like craft beer, at some point they're exposed to it. And I was exposed by my brother-in-law who lives in Atlanta. He's kind of in one of those craft beer epicenters. And, and for every family gathering, he'd bring over just all these different, what I would call back then, weird beers. And uh, he'd always say, man, you need to try this beer. You need to try that beer. I was like, well, I don't know. But I'd try them, you know, and say, well, I don't know about that. Because a lot of them are maybe IPAs or rich uh, barrel-aged stouts or things like that. But then he brought upon a Kolsch, which is a uh, kind of a light, easy-drinking German-style beer. And, uh, and it was one of those beers, which, which I kind of refer to as like that helped me break my craft beer virginity. So I, uh, 
I then started to kind of seek out different Kolsch-style beers, and then next thing you know, I'm trying like craft lagers, doing pilsners, and then you make that big next step into like pale ales or these hoppier-style beers. So eventually I'll start liking craft beer. Does that mean that I want to open a brewery? It most certainly doesn't, because <laughs> at that point, I had no information, no knowledge whatsoever with regards to, to the business of craft beer. Um, it wasn't until uh, Craig and I's very, very good friend, Bill Lowry's um, bachelor party. Uh, he got married a little bit later in life, and instead of the traditional bachelor party things that guys do, we, we, got a, we rented a nice hotel in Houston, we went and ate at fancy meals, and we went to uh, a brewery. Uh, St. Arnold in Houston. So right. I'm sure a lot of your listeners, if they've ever driven through Houston, they'll notice their brewery right there on the right as soon as you get into downtown. Sure. We went into that brewery and I instantly fell in love with what I saw. Uh, obviously the shiny stainless steel tanks and all the processes and different things like that really piqued my interest. But it wasn't until we were after the tour when we were hanging around drinking some beer and just really fellowshipping with each other, but also just everybody at that brewery just seemed like they were, were, were long, long friends. And it didn't matter if they were, uh, you know, where they came from, what they did for a living, who they were, or, or, or any of those, or those facts, but everybody was just kind of surrounded and unified around a pint of beer. And it was that, really cool. that, that, that feeling and that energy and that excitement that that I really fell in love with, and I and I just kept thinking to myself during that bachelor, I was like, why doesn't Lake Charles have a brewery? And I knew we had Rick and Jacks years and years ago, and they closed down for different reasons. I don't remember too much about them because I was I was quite young at the time, and I don't even think I was even able to drink legally by then. But um, but they had since shut down, and, um, and I still couldn't figure it out. I knew craft beer. I'd done enough research to see that, you know, the, the industry is surging. Why didn't Lake Charles have one? I was like, so I said, let's start, um, let's just kind of do that investigative process to see if the, it might make sense for us. So about, just to give the listeners uh, an idea, about how many years ago did this vision, so to speak, in there, over there in Houston start? Y'all know? When, um, it's been at least uh, seven years. At least seven years. Seven years, okay. yeah. yeah. So about seven years ago, more or less, um, is whenever the, the bachelor party took place. But, but I really sat on the idea. I didn't like leave the bachelor party and say, look, I'm on a mission now. I'm going to build a brewery. Um, uh, several other things fell into place that actually sparked that, that then vision and drive to go forward with it. But yes, I'd say the, the original kind of the concept and ideas of, the, of building a brewery was about seven years ago. Seed was planted, so to speak. Correct. You know, <clears throat> Eric, and I've been a part of this process from the beginning, but when you started, when you had that vision of the brewery, I mean, obviously at that moment, it's a picture in your head. What I mean, and obviously it was a very detailed process. There's, there's so much, the planning, the engineering, the, the architecture, the getting a brewmaster, the recipes, like that seems pretty daunting. So what, what, do you, what, what do you feel like kind of pulled you along to make that vision a reality? Well, it was just a lot of it was research, okay? So I'd read, uh, I'd, I'd God put in front of me certain people that were, were really the, the engines and the spark plugs that kind of helped this vision become reality. But... Um, but during that time in my life, I was also kind of at a point where, with my other companies, where we weren't so busy at that point that it allowed me a little bit of free time to kind of do the, 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 the due diligence, as we call it in the business world, to, uh, to see if it would be a viable concept. 
those people that provided me that intel and insight were the ones who said, you know what, this is a very achievable goal to do, okay? Brewing beer and the business of owning a brewery are not an impossibility, okay? Uh, especially with the rate they're going. Back then, there were, you know, most breweries were owned by guys who just brewed beer, okay? But we found that the more successful ones were, were those who also had a really, really deep understanding of the business side as well. But part of what gave me that energy and that drive, again, was my vision to create something fun and unique that the community could rally behind. And once I had finally gotten approval from my wife to say, yes, you know, go ahead, I back you for this project. Um, and I built a team of people around, you know, shareholders who, who could not only bring some, you know, some financial backing to the project, but also some, some wisdom to the project as well. Um, then I was full steam ahead, okay? It became more about, more than just reading a bunch of books, scouring the internet for intel, but then traveling all over the country and the world, visiting different successful breweries and that had similar concepts to what we wanted to do here. Uh, I got a question. Uh, I was looking on the website and it said that uh, the Crying Eagle um, idea kind of came on over um, uh, at a supper table. Was this, would this be uh, on the bachelor party or where was this uh, supper table and who was involved in this conversation? And were there hot dogs served? <laughs> there, there, were, there were not hot dogs. Okay, just curious. But, uh, but yes, generally speaking, there wasn't a particular moment around a, a dinner table where, where my family and I said that we're going to do this. But, what, but, but that is really kind of talks about how we all got together, my family that is, because every, everything we're involved in, you know, my parents are involved in and I'm involved in, okay? I'm, I'm an only child. And I have a very, very close with my family. And, um, and we feel that, um, you know, business also helps us bring, it to bring together. And uh, my parents bring, you know, something u unique and different to any business adventure we've ever done. My mom is super duper creative. Uh, my father's got a, a, a brilliant math mind and business acumen and years of wisdom and stuff like that. So we, we were sitting around a table, yes, but you know, there was, we had all come together to say, yes, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this together because that's the only way it's gonna succeed. And yeah, I think we ought to give Eric's folks a shout out. Eric has a Lady J of his own in his life with his mama. She's in here loving it man she's back in the uh making pizzas making some of the food back there it's really neat to see the family uh vibe y'all have going on in here man yes yeah, so um when we first opened the brewery i wasn't actively involved in the day-to-day -day processes because of so many other businesses that i'd had and trying to maintain and manage each and every one of them um, in depth was was a near impossibility i did have a liquidation event with one of my companies avery archives and um and through that event, um, it allowed me to come over here full time and get really involved. But, but guys, I want to do tell you that uh, you know when it comes to vision, you know we can all, we can all say that uh, look at things and say this is exactly how we want things done. But then, um, God, for whatever reason, may have a, a different vision. Okay, and again, leading into what we were talking about earlier, and with you know knowing the future, you know, uh, if I'd have known the future of Crying Eagle three and a half years ago, and to say, okay, this is where we would have been, um, I would have certainly saved myself a lot of heartache, money, 
and uh, and tremendous amount of stress but at the same time it's the it's the wisdom and the the years of experience you gain from those mistakes and not knowing your future and so now kind of circling back to my family you know because i would have never guessed that um that my mom would have been in this brewery operations every single day uh, my father is still in here and out of here daily but um but now without them and their support and my being involved every single day i just don't believe that we would be to where we are today yeah and it's you can look back and there's been exponential growth here as far as the the beer the the quality the selections the food the i mean this place gets packed and you know part of that's the vision of getting your team involved and i mean did you see the culture around here it's amazing um and he has great people working here and fran and larry are amazing and it's just, could you speak to maybe having the right team? Yeah. Our team, our people are what keep this business who we are, okay? And we've had that philosophy with every single business we've got, okay? Because it's not the owners per se that, that make businesses truly successful. The owners are really provide a platform for their people to excel and, are, and often uh, create the experience that you get whenever you go out to uh, uh, any service-related business or any business for that matter. You know, I mean, if you've got uh, poor front-of-line service um, at any restaurant, you know, and their attitudes are bad and, and uh, they hate what they're doing and it's just they're trudging along in life, well, your experience here is going to be bad too. Uh, and so we always make sure that, um, that for Crying Eagle Brewing, anytime we bring on a new team member, that we always hire for their personalities, okay, not for their experience because we know if they carry – that that personality and they carry and they believe in the vision that we've got here then we know that they will have the best chance for success those who have um, you know in those certain times where we felt like we were in a pinch we needed somebody to just jump in here and just to fill a void uh, without really knowing their personalities and and their and and them believing in our vision are often those who who haven't been as successful here but it's, it's amazing. Our people are spectacular. We love them. We cherish what they do for us. They work their tails off every day, uh, all for, the, for, for, again, to achieve that vision we have, and which is create basically an arts, a cultural, and entertainment epicenter for Lake Charles, yes, centered around the beer-making process. You know, Eric, when it comes to uh, you and the brewery in specifics, and we've had several conversations in here, and I always see your face light up. One of the, uh, about what I'm about to ask you is, what about the vision for the different beers that y'all have here? Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what all y'all serve, how all that process, we've got all kind of equipment back here that you've been all over the world, like you said, looking at, et cetera. What about that vision? Because I know that's a pretty passionate part of your life. That's a great question, hot dog. Craig Cream, John. Um, Man, you did so well earlier. So, <laughs> I know. So, uh, so uh, another interesting uh, little tidbit that I'll tell you is that you know every everywhere I go. So if I'm at a if I'm at a restaurant or I go to a, um, a, a say a, a Hocus Pocus or Lake Street Liquors to go buy beer, uh, I'll never buy Crying Eagle beer. It's always buying some other beer that I've, that I've probably never tried or one that I want to circle back to. Um, those, that kind of, that, that, that concept in, uh, of trying other people's beers throughout you know, the state or even those that are distributed in our area from regional breweries uh, are, are, are a main source of inspiration, okay? Because um, often, yeah, you've heard of different styles, but you know, how do they taste? Well, you have no idea unless you go try. I mean, and we're not in the business of just 
throwing beers uh, together and just experimenting randomly in our tap room because we want we want the products that we serve here to be great okay so all of us um, everybody here whenever they travel they'll often pick up beers from the different breweries that are in that area one because um, we want to sample different fares but two is because the, anytime you go to a brewery or wherever you are traveling they often are, are symbolic of their areas and you can learn so much about an area just on the going to the different breweries in that area so We'll, different, we'll certainly bring over a lot of different beers from different breweries. We'll try those out. We'll also do a lot of, you know, reading on, on informationals, on, 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 on websites and things like that of, you know, what are the coming trends. Uh, and then, you know, those are kind of give us ideas. And then, you know, we'll sample out. We'll do super small batches that will never hit them, our tap room here. They're just more proof of concepts. And if they are things that we feel that, one, we can procure the ingredients and two that we can make that would make it would be really really good here and fit within our prof profile of beers then we'll give it a shot throw it on the board eric in regards to the brewery uh, you alluded to the different um beers that y'all are making and what gives you the vision for those what about the brewery in general uh, have you had any visions since you've been in business all these years about where the brewery might be headed and some of the new exciting things that might be going on oh for sure well um you know i said earlier that you know, three and a half years ago when we opened, you know, my vision for it that day and, and, and what it actually is today are, are, are completely different. A lot of those trends and facts and all those different th uh, things that we've looked at and where we wanted to go uh, were, were one, either forced upon us based on what the market wanted and two, um, just ideas and concepts that we said, you know what, let's give it a shot. For example, in our tap room, you know, we're looking at different, different products altogether non-beer related okay so where we're seeing a lot of growth in our industry now that there are almost 9,000 breweries in the country and almost 45 50 of them 9,000 in the country 9,000 wow. is wow. that uh, the distribution market uh, or the distribution side of our business is becoming more and more difficult each and every day the, the you know shelf space is not is not growing tap handles aren't growing so but with more and more breweries out there, it's just becoming a more difficult fight. So, you know, so where, you know, what does that mean for us and our vision here is that, you know, we're really trying to put a focus on our tap room. Okay, one is that, um, is that you know, we're more profitable in our tap room because we don't, we can sell direct to consumer. Uh, whereas in the distribution market, we go from manufacturer to wholesaler, to retailer, to consumer, okay? So we're looking at, uh, again, really trying to put a lot of emphasis in our tap room. We just recently expanded our kitchen because once we added a food component here, we saw our tap room revenues quadruple. Um, I referenced earlier non-beer related products. So um, starting next week, actually, um, or maybe a month ago, depending on when your listeners are hearing this, uh, we're rolling out our own seltzer line. So we'll have four or five different seltzer, hard seltzers no that kidding. we'll have. Uh, cotton candy, mixed berry, blueberry, black cherry, and lemon lime. Uh, we also signed a deal this week on a beer daiquiri machine. Um, so, but, so I do want to point out a, a, you know, a, a, something very important. We are a brewery first and foremost. We want to be focusing on beer. But like I said earlier, you know, a lot of people say, you know, some of the most important questions I get asked are one, why just start a brewery? 
Two, when is the lakefront starting, which we'll get to in a minute. And three, why do you only serve your beer? And those are all by law and certain changes that we've made in the industry. So um, because I do know that a lot of everybody likes beer. And so we try to now expand our offerings that uh, because we can only serve by law what we make here, that will, again, bring more people into the taproom. One, because that's where our brands are built most in our taproom. And two, is to kind of get that energy excitement because, again, more, more people walking through here, you know, the better we are. You know, if they have a great experience, they'll tell two or three people they, they know. And then those two or three people want to come try it out. And, again, it all centers around beer. So I've got a question. Uh, you talked about um, all of the breweries kind of having a local regional flair to uh, their beer. What would you say is the uh, local flair for your brewery? Okay, so um, with Crying Eagle, we'll start with our name. Okay, so by now, I think everybody in our community knows what what Crying Eagle means, which is our parish. Our parish being Calcasieu. Calcasieu was the Atacapaw Indian chief who was the first native settler of our area. Before we had opened our brewery and thus named it that, I couldn't tell you how many people would know that definition. In fact, I didn't really know it until I did started just doing some, some research. So oftentimes you'll find the brewery's name, uh, also some of their beers that they name. You'll be references to historic people places or things in in their area where they're located we have our pistol bridge porter which is the kind of a nickname for the i-10 bridge because you'll notice on the hand railing dual crossed derringer pistols a reference to jean and pierre lafitte um, we've also got a, an ipa called hot blooded okay hot blooded is kind of a pun to a f hit foreigner song, Hot Blooded. Okay, what does that got to do with the local community? <laughs> it's got nothing to do except the fact that foreigner came to play a gig here at the Golden Nugget right when we opened. Their band manager, who was a, a, a British guy, you know, called me up and said, you know, hey, hey, my my my, my chaps want to come over there and and uh, drink some some beer at your place. They love craft beer. and want to see it. It's like, well, it's <laughs> like, man, y'all forget about just drinking beer. Let's brew some beer together. So we did, and we. Um, so, um, and that was the first time we'd ever brewed an IPA. While the recipe is nowhere near that original brew, we still named it Hop Blooded as a reference to that. So again, it tells a little bit of story, some, some history about, you know, a famous group coming in, playing a gig. And so those are just some of the things. Also with Crying Eagle, you'll find a lot of our building materials here that are sourced from locally, um, locally sourced vendors. Okay, you know. Uh, we did win an environmental leadership award. I was presented by the governor for the reuse and recycling of, of nearly, well, I don't know how much building materials, but you'll notice, uh, like, for example, uh, the pallets on the wall here. You know, we had everything that was shipped here during the construction phase. Uh, we stuck, we, we put those pallets to the side and said, you know, what can we do with these? Well, let's throw them on the wall. It might look pretty cool. Very neat, man. And look, Eric, I think our listeners are getting a good vibe, and you alluded to it a little bit uh, in several ways. The community involvement, A, as a, just a person, not taking crying eagle, you are a person who loves Lake Charles, it's always been with all your different businesses, very entrenched in the community. But give us a little uh, a preview of what's about to come. I'm on the Children's Museum board here in Lake Charles. I've been involved, and we have a new project taking place with the museum and wildlife and fisheries in which um, Crying Eagle is going to be a little bit involved with as well. Yep. So that's a great story, you know, because I'll, I'll kind of um, 
take us back about six years ago. You know, we knew at this point that um, we were going to do the brewery. I had uh, talked, found great shareholders, Craig Cream, one of them, <laughs> to, go, uh, to be a part of this project. Uh, we knew that we wanted to name this thing Crying Eagle. Then the next deal was, um, you know, where are we going to build this brewery? Because as they say in business, it's about location. 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 There you go, guys. So, um, <laughs> so we had scouted everywhere, you know, in Lake Charles, and we knew that... Um, uh, that we wanted to be in a place that uh, that it was fairly easy to get to. Um, we wanted a place that was um, that had a pretty good real estate value because, again, not to sound negative, but we always try to look at different pros and cons. And if the business fails, you know, what do you have to fall back on if you got a good, valuable piece of real estate um, to kind of liquidate and maybe recover some of your losses? But again. Um, and so, you know, one of the one of the visions I had was like, man, you know, the, the lakefront lakefront you know i mean we'd had this property that had been sitting there for years and a lot of our listeners will know you know i mean all these different developers come in and that are you know promising rainbows and puppy breath with 20 30 million dollar developments and um, you know spark economic development like charles only to find out that they don't have the money the wherewithal or the true vision to you know bring forth a just to, uh, to reality i looked at that piece of property and i said man that I just think this would make for a, a, a great location for this brewery. And if you actually go on our Facebook page and you scroll to probably the very first picture on our Facebook page, it'll show a picture of our leg. And with, a, with something I put like, gosh, wouldn't this make for an amazing brewery? I said, uh, let, let's see what we, if we can make this happen. So, um, you know, we, we, we just one hurdle after another, after another. And I said, you know what, if, I mean, if I'm gonna go for this, it's gonna take five, six, seven years. And to me, um, time kills deals. And I was gonna do this and I was on it and I was gonna make this happen. I was gonna make it happen quick. And if I was, this wasn't the location to make that happen. So we ended up ultimately settling to where we are now, East McNeese Street, which is actually a perfect location for us. Fast forward six years and some change and i get a random call from city city officials and they said hey we'd like to uh like to have a meeting with you i was like did i do something wrong <laughs> they said no it's actually it's actually what you've done right i was like all right let's do it so i go and sit at city hall and there's a um, four or five of you know administrators from our mayor to our to our city administrator to their marketing team etc cetera, etc cetera. And they're talking about Matt Port Wonder, which is where the, the official name of, of the development that they're doing with the Children's Museum Natural uh, Wildlife and Fisheries. They have more property next to it in between that and the parking garage that they were looking or looking for a food and beverage concept. And they said, would you have any desire whatsoever um, to build a brewery there? And without even thinking, I said, hell no. <laughs> I remember that. One is that uh, this brewery, you know, um, sure, it looks like it's been, you know, uh, great. You know, we're just just um, having the time of our life and we drink and party all day. Nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I told you that my original vision for this um, uh, is not who we are. And, um, and to, to get to where we are today came with a lot of stress a lot of money and a lot of mistakes and uh, finally getting to where we are today and in a position where um where we're we're, we're safe we've made it okay um 
to start the idea of starting over to me was um, just something that I'm, I had zero interest in. Um, I make the joke regularly, guys, that I'm, I'm 43 years old, but in business years, I'm about 85, okay? <laughs> and uh, I'm tired, okay? I'm worn out. I don't take time, much time off. And again, to start all over, even at the location that, we're, that, that they had presented, just was something that I was not interested in. But they said, you know what, you know, if, if there's ever a chance you, you want to consider it, you know, we'd love to talk to you about it. Well, you know, I didn't just walk away. You know, I, I, I did. I gave it some consideration. Craig Cream and I, you know, talked about it. My parents talked about it. And I brought it up to my wife, too, who is, who is uh, by my side in every decision we make. And, and then day by day, we started to think and, and again, put, put our vision in front of us. You know, where is it that we that we look to see ourselves not only a month from now, but five years from now, 10 years from now. And, and again, it was, it was uh, centering on our tap room and, and that having that, that space that people could come to that we owned. And, and so we said, yes, we want to do this. Went back to the city, talked to them, and um, the rest is history. Great overall view of, of the vision for the brewery. Uh, how you've been through some things in your life, Eric, and uh, you alluded to several times, some ups and downs, getting where you are. You feel like you're 85, but yet only 43. Uh, pretty neat to see what's really taking place over here at this particular location uh, and where things are heading. And look, we're going to hit a little pump the brakes uh, with you here. We're going to let you take that today because you have a pretty good one for us. But before we do that, there was no way we could let you get off this without giving us some intel on Craig Cream. Oh, man. You and Craig Cream go back pretty far. And uh -huh. Hot Dog over here is always made fun of by the boys. And so I felt like this would be the <laughs> great opportunity for you to tell us a little bit about your relationship with Craig and maybe provide the listeners a little uh, more intel on him. Oh, man. Yeah, so since you do know him and have known him a lot longer than uh, we have, uh, what were your thoughts whenever you first heard the uh, – the nickname. So, Mark. guys, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> um, we've enjoyed having you for our episode. Uh. So, guys, I am a regular listener of the podcast, and I often listen to it. To, you know, all my travels to New Orleans or Baton Rouge to go visit Markins and things like that. Uh, but I had heard the different nicknames. One hot dog, which I easily knew where that came from. John threw me back a little bit because I've only ever known you as Stephen. Um, and then I'd heard Craig Cream, and I was like, oh, Craig Cream. <laughs> Craig Cream. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, I texted him. I said, Craig Cream. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And so we have a kind of an inner circle of guys that, uh, that go back to high school and college days. And uh, that is not what we call him. <laughs> but we call him Beast. <laughs> the Beastmaster. Which we just heard about this yesterday. We're going to have to work this oh, in Oh, my somehow. goodness. So i got to tell a quick story. Please do. Oh, so we were on a road trip to Chattanooga. And we won't tell all those details because there are some <laughs> embarrassing ones of me in that as okay, well. Okay, fair, But this fair. is about you. Okay, correct. <laughs> so we were at the hotel and we were young and we were single and we were having the time of our life. And uh, we were out by the pool and there was a, uh, there was a Craig that was walking around in his swim trunks and he was flexing his, his <laughs> oh pectoral muscles to the rhythm of a popular <laughs> 90s song. Hope there it is. <laughs> and so we couldn't help but think about another show that was popular back then called Beastmaster. And so one of our buddies, Alex Schomont, 
<laughs> AKA Monkey, uh, said, called him Beastmaster. And that name stuck like glue, man. Yes, so did. ever since then, he is known in our group as the Beast. <laughs> yeah. You got me. Yep. I wish I would have known Craig back in the single days. He was bebopping around out there, having a little fun in life, huh? Uh, well, I mean, dude, I'm telling you, I mean, this guy really has got a, a, a talent, man. And, and if, he had, <laughs> if he had enough vision, he would realize that he could enter the pectoral <laughs> rhythm dancing competitions. Stop. Which, speaking, you know, we try to have fun, unique events here at our brewery. Maybe we can actually start that. Wait, should we talk about your talents, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the gift of gab. We, we came here yesterday and we uh, were that's a good uh, one. just looking around, seeing how we were going to set up and do the recording. And uh, your mom came over, Fran, which she usually visits with us, hardest working lady in the building. Uh, she came over and she said, well, you know, y'all better be careful because Eric is a stump talker. And we, we both, we like both looked at each other. She's like, do you know what a stump talker is? Oh, I said, yeah. no. She's like, well, he can just sit right there in front of a stump and just talk to it all day. All day. <laughs> Which is crazy because in reality, I am a what I consider an extroverted introvert. Oh, like when that. I get home, you know, I, don't, I, I disconnect from humanity. Um, but in the market, in the public, you know, you've got to put on a certain, you know, um, personality and you got to talk and you got to talk about the brand talk about the business talk about yourself you know because that's what we sell here you know we don't sell just beer but ourselves and our story all right guys we're gonna roll into our weekly segment of what made you pump the gas and what made you hit the brakes and john over here is going to take what made you hit the gas and eric's going to take what made you hit the brakes so john what made you hit the gas buddy well last night um we went and picked up my stepson from um, his golf practice. He's playing on the uh, junior high golf team. And they ran over a little bit because they were doing some qualifying event. And we were trying to get into another uh, local restaurant here to have dinner. And it was really busy. We were sitting there trying to get across the, the road. And literally, literally, my wife ordered me to go for it. So... <laughs> We talked about her driving a little bit before. I should have looked. I just stomped on it, and I got across, but it was close. Nice. <laughs> Near-death experience. Literally hit the gas. All right, Eric. What made you uh, hit the brakes, buddy? Ooh, this is a bit of a painful one, but uh, uh, right now we, the coronavirus is spreading all over the world. At a, today, there's now 100,000 cases throughout the world, and... Um, Everybody is in a mild state of panic. The stock market is all over the place. And those of us who have planned our trips well in advance, we're starting to second guess those trips. And, um, and for the Avery family, we've done just that. You know, we were uh, this year in August, we had planned to um, and booked, paid for a trip to London and Paris. And so um, being our first time throughout to ever be in Europe. And so we canceled that trip. Uh, based on the coronavirus. Um, are we excited about it? Not at all. But um, are we doomsday type of folks? Not that either. But regardless, you can't help but think, you know, we don't know what to expect with this virus. We don't know if it's going to be like the flu. We're in the, in the heat in the summer months. It just goes away. So to be better safe than sorry, um, we canceled our trip. 
Man, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, and I was when you were saying that, I was thinking, man, Eric was going to finally get a little bit of R and R. Hopefully, you can uh, pick that up in some way or another, and yeah, hopefully, it doesn't become a, a bigger deal than what it now is. And look, before we wrap things up, uh, we do want to thank all three of us. Want to thank you for allowing us to come in today. To to obviously, we appreciate our friendship with you. I've enjoyed getting to know you over the years, and uh, we appreciate the Craig Cream stories. But tell us a little bit, uh, the listeners, what they can expect, because we have listeners here in Lake Charles, and we've talked a lot about the lake area, but we have some from outer areas, so you could have some in the lake area, some from the outer areas. What they can expect, um, the different things that are provided besides the potential for some Craig Cream dance action uh, when they come to the brewery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so we talked about the beer. So we've always got a rotating beer menu that it can be anywhere from 14 to 16 different beers. We talked about the, you know, different beer type products or non-beer related products, hard seltzers and beer daiquiris and things like that. But outside of that, we've got a, you know, we've got private rental space. So if you're looking to have your your company function here or just a private party with you and some friends, if it's a, you know, a, 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 a what do they call that? The draft football, fantasy football drafts, oh, things yeah. like that. We've got a great restaurant here and now that uh, can serve some amazing fairs um, and always fun, interesting events, live music. And we even starting to roll into our concert series where every month we'll do, we'll bring in fun, interesting entertainers and things like that to really light a crowd up. So uh, again, we're always warm and welcoming to locals, to tourists, etc. Come by and see us. You have a great time. Uh, tell, real quick, tell a little bit about the food options. Y'all had some pretty major expansion in that arena in general from first concept where we couldn't have food out here and old Botskis was bringing some food along for the ride to where we're at now, which is pretty pretty expansive little menu. Right. So we've um, um, we talked about how we, you know, when we originally started, we couldn't have food. We, we, we were able to uh, get that law changed. Uh, as soon as we did, we were under construction for uh, a, a little bistro here. Certainly wasn't anything that we had looked to have in our initial vision, but we knew we needed it because, uh, one, it was safer. People could have, have something to eat while they uh, kept them here a little bit longer. We opened the, the bistro with a pizza oven and a sandwich press, and we had four pizzas and two different sandwiches. Um, Today, we offer a variety of different styles of pizzas. We have um, all kind of unique seafood items. We have a broad, diverse set of sandwiches and things of that nature, fun appetizers, and all sorts of different stuff that uh, that really can appeal to a broad, uh, broad group of people. In addition to that, we have fun and unique items, too, that you're not going to regularly see at every place you go to. So that's one of our main visions is just to be different, you know, and and it's fun to try the different stuff because our menu rotates so quickly. Almost every week, the thing changes about 50%. Yeah, and it is from really good food. I've been coming since the beginning, since I opened the Bistro. I really enjoy eating the pizzas. Crying Eagle is probably my favorite. Um, I do have a question about one of the other menu items. I noticed on there that you have something called Eagle Eggs. Was that inspired by Nacho Libre? One. (laughs) And number two, do you get the Eagle Powers? (laughs) I've never seen Nacho Libre. <laughs> Feel free to let some of John's stuff just go right by. That's personally what I do. Never seen that show. Not a huge Jack Black fan. <laughs> or was that Tom Hanks? Jack Black. Uh, no. So, uh, you know, we, we always try to have like, a, whether it's a beer name or a food item, we try to 
we try to spin off into some either historical reference to like Charles, something about our own personal histories, and um, and of course maybe a spin off to our name, Eagle Eggs, Crying Eagle, you know, deviled eggs with bacon jam on top, you know, they look like little eggies. Eric, when we first started, there was a beer called the Chuck, which was an honor to Lake Charles. What kind of beer was the Chuck? The Chuck was a cream ale. It was a cream ale. <laughs> I think we might need to resurrect that and rename it. Oh, I think we <laughs> should consider it. egg cream ale. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just, well, actually, that was, hey, you know. I'm so proud of you embracing your name over there, Craig. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Well, the, the Chuck is uh, one of our tried and trues. It was the first beer we launched with. Uh, we did have to pull the plug on that beer for um, for reasons we won't get into today because that's about a 30-minute stump-talking story. Um, <laughs> but it is one that the, uh, the, the, the population, our fans, love to see back. And we bring it back once a year during, in July for our anniversary parties. And last thing here before we wrap up for you, Eric, and I think we're going to start asking our guests this, so you'll be the first to be asked. Um, who do you think's driving your car, brother? I know who's driving my car, and that's um, that's my God. Okay, um, I you know it, it can be somewhat taboo to you know to own a business to publicly talk about your faith and things of that nature, especially to you know because you know you may offend somebody. But uh, I am not afraid of my faith whatsoever. Okay, and I uh, regularly pray. I regularly read scripture. And I live my life according to God and God's purpose for me. God is driving my car. Sometimes I feel like I need to be the driver, but he regularly reminds me that he is the driver of that car. Man, that's truly amazing. And we, and we can awesome. all relate to it. And I appreciate you. Uh, I'm, I'm a believer in be who you are, man. And so I appreciate you sharing that with the uh, listeners out there. All right, guys, we appreciate everyone tuning in to the first ever on-location shoot for the bros here at Crying Eagle Brewery. Uh, come check it out sometime. Lot, like uh, Eric said, a lot of great things going on out here, and we would challenge you in the meantime to think about the visions in your life, the short-term visions, long-term visions, and maybe take or heed some of the advice you heard today. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Aye. Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing. Sun is shining. Nothing more I Sing with me